family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Big Game Day here on Sportsnet, my friends. Big game for the Raptors on Sportsnet 1. Big game for Canadian soccer on Sportsnet 360. Big game for the Canucks in mini on Sportsnet Pacific. Big game for the Oilers on Sportsnet West. Add the Jets. And on the very same day that Jermaine Defoe announced his retirement, it is a bloody big deal of a day. Jesse Rubinoff here on Sportsnet with the unofficial pregame to the pregame, which, boy, Timothy McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff standing by with First Things First. And your reaction to all of these big games, including a Leafs win last night and whatever the hell that was in Miami between the Heat and, well, the Heat. I may need a soothing tea to take it down a notch. Maybe a maybe a pregame nap before all the whole grain goodness kicks in. I'm jacked up. I hope you are, too. I know I say this a lot, but lay down the old clicker. We got you covered today, along with our friends Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network, James Sharman from San Jose, Costa Rica, and Matty D from the floor at Scotiabank Arena, where the Raptors and Cavaliers play. Biggest game of the year? Not an overstatement, is it? No, no. Not hyperbole? At this point of the year, it is the biggest game of the year. Not BS? Yeah. Biggest game of the year? 100%. Toronto, one game back of Cleveland in the standings, looking to avoid Brooklyn in the play-in games with the subplot of a rookie of the year hanging in the balance, though we do know in the end, Jesse, Scotty Barnes will be a Hall of Famer. Yes. We've already established that. Future Hall of Famer. Very early. We were very early on that. Future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Scotty Barnes. You were very early on that. Let me give you the... There's a little delay today. Yeah, there's a little... Uh... It's like the iPads on Zoom or something. <laughs> on uh, DeGero, yeah. That's I don't exactly want to despair Zoom. Like, I feel like DeGero. they just caught astray for what some ha- reason. What happened there? Could be it. Oh, oh my. <laughs> We're good, Greg. Don't worry about just it. Just staring behind the camera. Laser eyes. Put all, of, there. put all of this together. Never mind how long it takes for the horns to hit. Put all of what I just said together, and you got yourself one of these. Oh, yeah, it's your time it out. Hey, time it out, Jesse. Cheryl. <laughs> oh, boy. So, what was that? was a scud stud back in the day. Uh, there was a guy uh, from, one of these Canadian guy, Kent was the last name. Mm. You don't remember this, but before your time, isn't it? There was a, a newsman in the middle of a war who made his name. Peter Kent was uh, Peter Kent was the brother. Anyways, it's not Clark Kent. I know that he was called the Scud Stud, mm. and they would interview him, and it was always on a delay. Arthur Kent, Arthur. producer Jay wow. Sands, whispering in my Look ear. Look at that. Arthur Kent made Counting his name group. on a delay and being able to navigate it, and it became a huge star because of war, which is a terrible story to tell. Anyway. <laughs> We got a good show for you today, all right? We are going to get you everything you need to know. And first things first, not Arthur Kent, not Peter Kent, not Clark Kent. 
Matty D is going to call the game tonight with coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 1, your home for basketball in Canada. And with all the big game chat, we thought the Jays are going to take a back seat, right, Jesse? Their spring training game against the Braves in Dunedin was canceled due to weather, but the Jays would not go quietly into the night. Instead of swinging the bat, they swung a significant deal. Jays trade Randall Gritchick to Colorado for Rymel Tapia and Adrian Pinto. And so ends the Randall Gritchick era in Toronto. Flashes of really good, but never really could sustain it, especially late in the season. So the Jays save a little bit of money and get themselves a utility outfielder with some speed. He's a left-handed bat, but they will maybe use that money somewhere else. Could they possibly? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying. Oh, it's gone. Jesse. The trend that I was going to go to on my computer that had Conforto as the title has now left and been replaced with Dolphins. I got that one. And Portugal. Got that one too. Sixero, very happy today. So we've got the Lost City, which I'm scared because there's a peach beside it to click on. The Dolphins and Portugal. Yeah. I got Kyle Lowry reacting in the most Kyle Lowry way to the altercation <laughs> We're gonna in show Miami. That. We're going to show that. Uh, listen, <laughs> I don't know if Michael Conforto, which is what was trending on there, is a part of this deal, or the Jays could just turn to Greg Bird to work out the left-handed bat. Like, he's done it before, but it's been a long time. Yeah. It feels like we're sifting through the weeds a little bit on the Jays because the, the, the nucleus is there. Everybody knows who the big bats are going to be, and now it's just filling out around but there's the no way Conforto is going to be added to this team, is there? Never say never. I will never say never. We'll keep our eye on the Bluebirds never throughout the show in case anything else happens. <laughs> just drop something. In the meantime, Jesse Rubinoff, first things first. Take the reins, big game James. First things first. Because you, Jesse, are, are worthy. I just wanted to wait there, give a little delay. That seems to be the theme. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay, uh, it is a huge night for soccer in this country. A huge night as Canada will face Costa Rica with a chance to clinch their first World Cup appearance since way back before I was born in 1986. You can see it right here on Sportsnet. Coverage starts at 9:30 Eastern on Sportsnet 360, and the game is available on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 at 10 o'clock Eastern time. It's been a long road, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for tonight? Deep breath here. Mm-hmm. Canadian soccer fans, this has been surreal. And surreal, defined in the dictionary as marked by the intense, irrational reality of a dream. Also, unbelievable, fantastic. Canadian soccer is bordering on surreal, on the cusp of surreal for real. Now, the woman just captured gold at the Olympics, and the men are on the verge of booking their trip to Qatar 2022, a sentence many would have found laughable. Many thought we would never utter. And yet, here we are. If you just jumped on the bandwagon, welcome, my friends. This is a fun ride. For the hardcores, I want to talk about the journey for a second. I understand that journey may have left sporting scars and like a fandom PTSD. I mean, to think it's been just over eight months since I had to try to convince you that this was, in fact, the dawn of a new era 
for the Canadian men's soccer team. How do I go back? I know I'm asking for faith from the faithless, but I'm telling you, it will be rewarded. I have stood there with you. I know there is trepidation. Be not afraid, my friends. Uncle Timmy's telling you it is the dawn of a new era, and it could be upon us as early as next week. That was to settle the nerves heading into a home-and-home with Haiti. Haiti, Jesse! And what's happened since then? Man, it's the stuff of legend. Not only did Canada handle Haiti, the boys handled CONCACAF, unbeaten in 11 games thus far, six-game winning streak on the verge of absolute full marks for booking their own trip to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. It is indeed surreal. But to relive it used to be tough. Not anymore, Butch. The pain is in the past. And that pain now seems like just fuel to the fire. Whoever said it's the journey, not the destination, man, they must have been a football fan. Now was the time to dream big. Here is the stage. Embrace the spotlight and be noticed. Davies across. It's Kyle Lahren. He scored again. Canada scored an utterly brilliant goal. What a moment. Another small step on the road to the World Cup. Davies inside. Asuria! Oh, so good. I don't know how else to say this, but we have a lot of balls. Alfonso Davies. Are you kidding me? Individual piece of brilliance, Alfonso Davies! Stacchio, good ball, touchdown! Sensational! They are not fortunate to win these matches. They are dictating them, and they're going toe-to-toe with the Giants of CONCACAF. Look at that control, Jonathan Davies! Turning into that football country again, man. Goosebumps, just goosebumps. Lauren just lethal and now legendary. He's gonna take it himself. Canada has done it. Still undefeated through ten games. Oh, we gotta get that! We gotta get that! Tickets are booked, but the reservations are about to be made. Is it in? It is. That's the captain, Akiba Hutchinson. The most unusual goal you'll ever see. Jonathan David! Qatar beckons. Canada wins again. Circle it on your calendar. March 24th in Costa Rica could be the day. So many unbelievable moments, Jesse Rubinoff. The Davies goal versus Panama, I thought was going to be the height. 
How could you beat the Davies goal against Panama? Add the Jonathan David three touches of absolute brilliance. You've got the snowbank Selly in Edmonton, Sam Atacube to close out the States, any one of your Milan Borean saves. And we said this in the morning meeting with all of our group. There will be over a million people in Canada watching Team Canada play a football-slash-soccer match tonight. I didn't think that I would ever say that, say, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But the bandwagon is rolling, and it is unbelievable to see these boys give not only the bandwagon fans something to, like, raise their eyebrows at, but the hardcore is something to talk about. And I still play. We still go to the bar after, and where the conversations were always, always what Portugal's doing right now, apparently 2-1 now against Turkey, what Italy was doing, what Ghana was doing, what Jamaica was doing. It's now Canada, and real football fans in this country are remarkably proud of what the boys are doing right now. When they started the year last year as potentially an upstart, in CONCACAF, right? They had some players that... Yeah, there was a possibility... There was the chance... That they could make some noise here. But somehow, over the course of an entire year, it feels like it's just gotten better and better and better to the point where, really, tonight, they solidify, can solidify themselves as the best team in CONCACAF, which, for me, seemed completely illogical at the beginning. Impossible, even. For most. For most. Maybe outside of that team... 95% of people would have said that can't happen. So it's a credit to John Herdman. It's a credit to the team. It's a credit to to the fans who have continued to support the whole way, right? It's one of those very cool moments where someone promises that there's something on the horizon Mm -hmm. and the people involved make it come to fruition. And it all could come to a head tonight against Costa Rica or... On the weekend against Jamaica, we'll have plenty of coverage of tonight's game. Still to come on this edition, James Sharman will join me from San Jose. Rashmidani, too, at some point, right? Recovered from uh, the power going out on his flight that we discussed yesterday. We hope. He's <laughs> we, hope we hope. And uh, the near miss in, in traffic there during his hit. That truck? Yeah, truck honking the honking, horn. Yeah. It's been through a lot, but Arash Badani, the consummate pro, will we'll be able to power through and join us. <laughs> All right, it's going to be fun. Uh, but for now, we go to hockey. The Canucks continue their road trip in Minnesota tonight after getting a huge win over the NHL's best team last night in Colorado. Awesome atmosphere for that game. Yaroslav Halak made 32 saves and a 3-1 win over the Avalanche as the Canucks pulled to within three points of a playoff spot. And JT Miller summed up his team's performance <laughs> yes, he did. after the game. That was the ballsiest effort we've had this season and, you know, this time of year. So it's no doubt wins like that are very contagious and we feel great about it. Uh, How much better do you feel about the Canucks playoff chances after going into an environment like Colorado and getting the victory? It's immediate, though. Like, good. Very good. I think that was probably the most complete performance, if you talk to most Canuck fans, that they have seen all season long to do it in Colorado. Felt like a mile high, but no rest for the weary. Like, now you go into Minnesota, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play tonight, and this team is going to have to do it once again. The POF jumped considerably, Jesse. We have a, we have a significant movement on the POF, Double, which is why right? I hate the POF. Yeah. And look where Vegas is now down to 24% 
as they continue to struggle. So the Jets and the Canucks are playing themselves into a good spot. Uh, Dallas has a tough matchup tonight. They've got Carolina. Vegas has got Nashville. That's a tough matchup. These POF numbers might move. Winnipeg's got Ottawa tonight. Oh, is it Talbot? I've just been told it's Talbot and not Flurry tonight for the Wild. So Cam Talbot will get the call against the Canucks. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing to get Cam Talbot? Yeah, I think you're just concerned about winning either way, whoever's in that. I mean, you gotta, you're coming off... And Edmonton. A- Let me throw Edmonton into yeah. the mix because I want to make sure that I correct myself. Sure. But, but Edmonton's also got a winnable game tonight against San Jose. They can solidify themselves too. So this is a big game day all around, as I said off the top. For me, it's, when I watched the Canucks last night, it, it spoke to me that they can play with anybody in the league. Obviously, the Colorado Avalanche are far and away the best team in the league, but you look back on the, the early part of the season where they really struggled under Travis Green, and if you come up just a little bit short of getting to the postseason, you might look back on that and say, well, man, if we made a move a little bit earlier, if we Without altered the roster in some respect earlier in the season, maybe things could have been a little bit different you- because they're really they're firing on all cylinders right but now. But don't you look team. at the team and say, well, they're 23-11-6 under Bruce Boudreaux. Maybe there are some things on the horizon regardless. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they didn't do much of the deadline. Yeah, the too. front office looks at this team and says, we, we can do some damage. And if they that get into they the... they wanted a playoff team. Yeah, if they get... Yes. And if they get in, you know, you never know. Hockey's funny like that, right? Yeah. They have a good By the way, Ryan team. Nugent Hopkins is also returning for Edmonton before Huge. we move on. They're getting healthy here. <laughs> And uh, their POF number is pretty good. Right now it's at uh, 80.9%. Kind of digging 81%. all the, uh, the Canadian hype right now. Digging. Good. Digging, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Leafs beat the Devils 3-2, which is a victory. Were you impressed I'm with not, Peter Morazic? I'm not doing this. That's fair because I would say the same thing. I mean, it's against a, a last place team. What, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, the last place team just scored seven goals. The, the previous night against a pretty darn good team, too. Yeah, but you can't overreact to this game, right? That's my No, point. but, like, that's what Leafs Nation is doing. That's what your question is aimed to get me to do. Oh, with, without question. <laughs> and Leafs Nation is going back and forth and forth. This is what they got to do. They got to play a game where they allow 20 shots on goal. Yeah, it was good team defense last night. Good team defense. Yeah, Any sure. goalie can look good with good team defense. There's no rockets to this science. That's how the Toronto Maple Leafs have to play. I am not going to react after every game that Morazic gets in or Jack Campbell gets in. The team has to play good defense. And you could tell they were going to play good defense going into that game because they had had a bunch of crap before that. And this is what they do. They have to have that commitment every game. And that's why I said a long time ago the difference between good and great is consistency. And this Leafs team can be great. They can be, but they got to do that every night. And I'm not going to react every time they don't or they do. Show it to me over a bunch of games. That's fair. Um, Mark Giordano came pretty much exactly as advertised for the Leafs last night, uh, wouldn't you think? Steady, did what he had to do, plug him in. The Leafs D is better because he's now Yeah, there, without a right? doubt. I mean, you've added a better player yes. than the replacement, and that usually makes the team better, though, again... I'd like to see a bigger sample size. Yeah. But I think he is going to help the Leafs. Uh, Justin Bieber, also just Im- impossibly cool last night. Just, uh, you like just, the puffy just jacket? A cool dude, yeah. Just a cool dude all around. Oh, very puffy jacket. Very puffy jacket. Really puffy jacket. I think you can pull that off. Give yourself some credit. Yeah, probably not. Uh, here on Big Game Day, mm-hmm. with a lot of big hockey games, obviously the soccer game. 
huge game for the Toronto Raptors tonight. You mentioned I have a puffy it jacket, just not that puffy jacket. There's a couple. I mean, Drake might wear one tonight. Uh, they host the Cavs with a chance to move into a tie for sixth oh, place in the East. That's the move. What? Drake needs to get Bieber's jacket. I'm sure they got the each other's jacket. number. The lucky jacket. And he walks into the Raptors game tonight wearing the blue puffy jacket. It's blue though, is that? Would that, that would just the, the internet would explode. Right. Yes. Two uh, pretty big, pretty big names, Drake and Justin Bieber. Let's get back to the Raptors. Uh, the game on Sportsnet One at seven Eastern. Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's what's big about this: uh, Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi both listed as questionable, so it seems like the Raptors getting a little bit healthier, perhaps. How important is it for the Raptors to win tonight sixth place on the line? Very important. And you and I have talked about this for a while because it determines what you're going to do for the rest of the season. Uh, Are you going to fight for that sixth and final non-play-in spot in order to get whoever you're going to get out of that mix? Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics. No one wants the Celtics right now. Nobody in the NBA is playing better than the Boston Celtics right now. I don't know if they've got the bigs to hang with the big boys, but man... Are Tatum and Brown playing well right now? So there's the final 10 for the Toronto Raptors. If they lose tonight, they fall two games behind, and I think you're going to see a bunch of guys rest, getting prepared for the play-in games. Not game, probably games, because you're going to play the Brooklyn Nets, and if it's in Brooklyn now, they've lifted the vaccination uh, mandate, so Kyrie Irving can now play at home. There is, you're going to want that game at home, so that you can maybe rest your guys mm-hmm. if you were to get by Brooklyn. But that's going to be a big if, and then it becomes playing the winner of the other two teams in ninth and 10th. But I think tonight, I think you're going to find out, one, who the favorite of the Rookie of the Year should be, yeah. and two, if the Raptors play their guys hard for the remaining nine games. I think if they're tied with Cleveland after this game, you're going to see them make a push. And if they're not, it might be a little easing on the minutes, and you might see a couple of guys miss some games. Big man Jared Allen remains out for the Cavs. Hurt his finger big. against the Raptors, which is very big. Uh, Matt Devlin coming up a little later in the show to talk more about that. Matty game, D! A ridiculous scene in Miami last oh night. Oh, my God. The first place heat lost to the Warriors without Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, which is ridiculous in itself. And frustrations boiled over on the heat bench during a timeout in the third quarter. Jimmy Butler in the middle of it, as he seems to be often, arguing with head coach Eric Spolstra and Donis Haslam. What'd you make of this? It blew up the internet for obvious reasons. <laughs> it was unbelievable. There were so many different levels of lip reading, of figuring out what transpired, and then seeing after how it went down, and what Kyle Lowry was doing in the midst of all that. But let me just say something. Wherever I'm, I am a fan of Jimmy Butler's game and his passion, but wherever he leaves, there's a pile of feces left <laughs> behind, right? Like in Chicago, it all melted down. In Minnesota, he basically took the manhood of like two or three other guys as he left. Philadelphia, yeah, him and Joel Embiid are really good friends. The rest of it was like, Feces. Mm-hmm. And now you see this happen to the top seed in the East. And I don't even know, like, where do we start on this? Like, if you piss off Udonis Haslam, who most people don't know is still in the league and basically is a coach with a uniform on, if you piss him off, you've us- he's usually on the right side of history, Udonis Haslam. He is a stand-up Miami dude. Mm-hmm. And what it looked like to me 
Was Eric Spolstra said to Jimmy Butler, <laughs> you want to bleeping fight me? Yeah, that's a tough scene. Uh, the thing that alarmed me the most is when Bam Adebayo said after the game that this is what it's like in practice, often. Like, I get that they're first in the East, and I understand that they're competitive, but that's not a healthy environment if you're doing that often. Like, it's, I know it spilled over into the game here, but practice... And you do that a lot. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, what are we, what are we talking about One of the less spots is that uh, clipboard toss. You're just challenging PJ guys. Tucker. You're challenging your coach to fight you in practice. You're challenging Adonis Haslam threatening to you know, beat his ass. people, beat his ass. Like, beat his donkey, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I know that it's worked for them to this you, point of the season, but come on, Tim. Did you, uh, did you see Kyle Lowry? I don't want to talk about the actual realistic uh, conversations and ramifications. Kyle Lowry wanting to call the timeout. (laughs) Can we get a a timeout here? (laughs) When they're on the bench at the start, Kyle Lowry also pulls a, I'm out of here. Like, looked at both guys. Love it. And walked out. There's, There's so many different things in that that I saw. But I firmly believe, and I know you're going to think I'm crazy, the gem cannot be polished without friction. Yeah, I accept that, but it's, if it's happening often, that seems like an unhealthy work environment. And that was a little too far. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I do the Kyle Lowry? Yeah. We need a timeout. Love it. We need a timeout. When we come back, James Sharman, Rash Badani. Coming up from Costa Rica, Kyle Brandt on the NFL's silly season, and it has been silly, and I don't use that word very often. Up next, Massive Game Raptors. As they host the Cavs, we'll head to Scotiabank Arena. Matt Gavin will join us. Plus, we'll get a closer look at the look at the we'll get a closer look at the rookie of the year race with Blake Murphy. I got it. Tim and friends, can we go? Because I suck. Here we go. Give him a delayed horns. In Costa Rica could be the day. We're 90 minutes away from from a World Cup qualification. We know who we are, and, and, and we're going to go out there and, and play with the confidence that we always play with. It's alive, and the shot hits the inside of the post, comes out, and Portugal have their lead. They are doing, you know the vibes, Scotty Barnes. <laughs> Top Cavs freshman Evan Mobley and Raptors standout Scotty Barnes are about to make their closing arguments in the race for Rookie of the Year. Back to Mobley, and Mobley moves it home. Barnes turns it from the heavens! What happened in the huddle? Uh, everybody was wondering where the dinner plans were tonight after the game. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, plenty of coverage of Canada and Costa Rica. It is big game day here on the network. We'll also talk hockey, but we're talking Raptors and Cavs. Coming up on Sportsnet 1, Matt Devlin, join us in a couple minutes. Now, the Raptors are a game back of the Cavaliers for the all-important sixth seed in the East heading in. But that's not the only close race to watch tonight. With more on that, here's my friend Blake Murphy. There'll be more on the line than just playoff seeding tonight when the Raptors host the Cavaliers. Top Cavs freshman Evan Mobley and Raptors standout Scotty Barnes are about to make their closing arguments in the race for Rookie of the Year. This year's Rookie of the Year race projects as a more difficult one to peg than other years. That's primarily because usually rookies aren't performing like Barnes and like Mobley on winning teams. 
Other than 2018, you can go back 15 years and not find a Rookie of the Year winner on a team as good as Toronto or as good as Cleveland. That makes what's already a difficult rookie class to rank even harder. You might look at Cade Cunningham's counting stats or Franz Wagner having more points per game than just about anyone or Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green turning it around as the seasons come along. But none of those players are helping their teams win and fight for a playoff position like Barnes and Mobley are. Cunningham leads all rookies in scoring average and if you add his points, rebounds, and assists together, that sounds simple, but it's usually a pretty good gauge of Rookie of the Year voting. It's hard for anyone to stack up to Cunningham. However, Barnes and Mobley aren't far off as scorers. They also rebound more, and while they're not point guards like Cunningham, they do get pretty good assist totals as far as rookie forwards go. They also use a smaller volume of possessions, which has allowed them to score more efficiently than a Cunningham or a Green. Now here's one stat that Barnes does lead all workers. Minutes played. Maybe that doesn't grease your voting wheels, but when we try to look at the actual impact the rookies had, treating Rookie of the Year somewhat like a rookie MVP, that really matters. It especially matters because on a lot of advanced metrics, Mobley and Barnes are very close. The debate can get a little heated looking at some of these advanced metrics. None of them are a slam dunk on their own, so use them with a grain of salt and some caution. Depending on the methodology you prefer, you could see Mobley as well ahead of Barnes, just a little ahead of Barnes, or hey, because Barnes has played more minutes, he's not only closed the gap, but pulled ahead. In short, Mobley's having more of an impact on a per-possession basis. That's especially true on the defensive end, where he's helped anchor a very good Cleveland defense. Those extra minutes Barnes have played, though, close the gap when we start looking at cumulative stats. So how much of these last 10 games matter? Well, there's a thought among some Raptors fans that Mobley was given the award early, and the strength of that first-half narrative will be too tough for Barnes to overcome. The betting markets would tend to agree with that, with Mobley still heavily favored. However, if we're talking cognitive biases, like that primacy effect, we also have to keep in mind that recency bias exists. So, when you're looking at a serial position curve like this one, you could argue that these last 10 games are just as important for Barnes to close the gap and maybe exceed Mobley as Mobley's early narrative advantage was. So yeah, no pressure tonight, Rooks. Not only a chance to fight for seeding and maybe avoid the play-in and lock in your first ever NBA playoff series, could set up your stretch run for Rookie of the Year as well. I should have introduced that as Blake Murphy nerding out for us, and I absolutely love it. And what I love even more is, for some reason in the past, Rookie of the Year, never it never mattered how good the team was. It was always some high-scoring rookie who you knew was going to be good on a crap team. Not with these two dudes. They affect winning, and both teams want to win tonight. Matt Devlin now joins me from Scotiabank Arena on Big Game Day here on the network. Matt Devlin, does it feel like a big game day to you? It certainly does, and in fact, I would say that over the course of the last couple of weeks, every night has had that sense and feel to it. But returning here on a Thursday after that victory in Philadelphia, which certainly felt like a playoff caliber game, and then heading to Chicago where for two and a half quarters they played at a high level, just ran out of juice. Yeah, this certainly has that sort of feel to it. I know uh, Nick Nurse's availability is at 545 Eastern time, so we're less than 10 minutes away from it, but are you expecting any of the injured Raptors to be back for this game? 
Well, expect. I I mean, I think I've learned along the way since load management, you know, maybe expect the unexpected. Right. So maybe yes. Um, I I think that, you know, that's been one of the things that this team has dealt with now for some time. They've done a really good job just handling who is available. Would it be nice to have Gary Trent Jr. back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Would it be really nice to have an OG Ananobi back sometime soon? Absolutely. And hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later because you do have 10 games prior to the postseason starting. And we do have, and everybody likes to use small sample size, there is only a small sample size of having those five together on the court at the same time. Do you think this could dictate, I was saying last segment that I thought this game could dictate how the Raptors look at the final nine games after it. If they lose it, maybe you rest some guys, maybe you make sure everyone's healthy. If you win it, is it worth fighting for that sixth spot? Well, I think it's definitely always worth fighting for the sixth spot. And I think as we've all learned, I'm not sure that Nick Nurse is all that concerned about the noise. Think about the minutes played and everybody talking about that. And he, you know, ball goes up in the air. His players want to win. He wants to win. And so this is a bunched up Eastern Conference. Hey, Boston Celtics, they may win the East as far as the way they're playing right now. Uh, when they're only three and a half games back of Miami with the other two teams that are right there with them. So I, I, Will tonight dictate the final nine? Maybe. I wouldn't be certain about that, Tim. I think we've learned, you know, that down the stretch, you're going to want to be able to have your team ready to go. Does that mean sitting out? We saw that early with Kyle Lowry where he would take off some games and then come back and try to find that rhythm. Or maybe it's just, all right, we're going to slide some minutes down. Right. There's only one more back-to-back. They've already played 16 sets of back-to-backs. That's more than anybody else in the NBA. So maybe instead of playing 38, you're playing 32. We'll see. Listen, I'm not Skip or Stephen A. I certainly don't make the money that Skip or Stephen A. make. But it was kind of a hot take here that I think that if they lose this game, you might see the minutes pull back and make sure that you're healthy for the postseason. One of the other storylines going into this one is that battle for Rookie of the Year. Vegas seems to think Evan Mobley uh, is, is in the locker room, calm, cool, collected, and collecting that Rookie of the Year. Uh, it may be interesting if the Raptors pass the Cavs, though. Well, for sure. I think that's certainly something over the next 10 games to look at. There might be a little bit to overcome. Do I think Scotty Barnes is brilliant? Absolutely. You look at his numbers, how integral. You talked about this. Evan Mobley impacting winning. Scotty Barnes impacts winning. And Scotty Barnes, the ability to run the point, but then also guard Jokic and limit him to zero points in the fourth quarter (laughs) in Denver. But there is, and we know this, you and I know this, you know, the people that vote, it's been taken out of the hands of, you know, those that are involved with teams, right? So like myself, I haven't had a vote now, I think in four years or so. But there, there are those that have been designated to vote part of the national uh, Don't watch the Raptors. Uh, in, they don't watch and, the Raptors. And, and you said it. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how much they – I'm not sure how much they watch 
I'm just saying that. No, and that's, I, uh, you know. I agree with you. I say that to Raptor fans all the time when they get mad at the national media in the U.S. I'm like, what are you watching them for? They might catch a highlight here or there. Matty D, Leo Routens, Jack Armstrong doesn't even work. They know more. The people up here that were, Will Lou, like uh, these people, Blake Murphy, they know more than the American national media about the team that they cover because they're say watching the Michael every Grange, game. Say it Michael all the time. Grange, right. I say, I say it all the time. When we get into the playoffs, yeah. do not worry if you're a Raptor fan about what anybody says south of the border about your right. team. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Follow those that follow the team on a day-in and day-out basis. They know what's happening here. Now, I will say this. Breaking news, we know Woj has got that. Right, right, we know right, Woj right. has got that, right? Yeah. But, but when you look at just a daily basis of filing team, knowing what's going on with the Toronto Raptors, yeah. whether it's Doug Smith, whether it's Michael yep. Grange, Eric Kareen, Blake Murphy, they know. Yeah, Eric Smith, Paul Joe. Like, uh, one of the things I'm yeah. most proud of having been here for as long as I have or as long as my hairline suggests I have, Matty D, is how far the media has come from teaching people what a travel was to one of the best yeah. media groups in all of the NBA. They help educate the fan, and the fan is just eating it up with a knife and fork. And I say, don't worry. We'll have Kenny Smith on the show. He'll talk about what he sees from afar. But if you want the in-depth knowledge, you just got to go to what is a great media base. And I'm not just well, saying that. Well, look at look at no, but look at what Blake Murphy just did. Yeah. I mean, how into right the the numbers? My I was like, whoa! You know, I felt like I was back in ninth grade. You know, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Little calculus for Matty D. Take it back, Murphy. Whoa, Take whoa. it back. Yeah, I say to Michael Grange all the time, I'll send him a text, and I've just read his stuff, and I'm like, I love what you do every day. I love. Like, it's unbelievable what we got around us. All right, so give us – I know that you steadfastly prepare for each and every one of the 82 regular season games. Is there something that you guys in the truck today are looking for that may determine how this game goes down tonight? Look, this is something that you start adding up some numbers here. Mm -hmm. From an offensive productivity standpoint, it's a team, and, 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 and it's understandable because of the players that have been missed, right, in the lineup. But the spacing that they need and then the three-point shooting and that percentage that they need, it would be nice to see that to start to climb once again. Pascal Siakam, no other Raptor. You've heard me say this every game. No other Raptor has averaged 28-5 and five in a season. He's averaging 28-5. and five. He has yeah. been brilliant. But one of the reasons why Nick Nurse has used Armani Brooks is from the spacing standpoint. That's why you haven't seen Delano Banton out there from an offensive standpoint. Right. Fred Van Vliet has great multiple three-point streaks. But when you start to really get inside to Raptors are guarding, we know they're guarding, look at those numbers. But making threes are important because of the spacing that it provides that allows right. the spin cycle of Pascal, the post-ups of a Scotty Barnes. So it, let's see that here over the course of eight of the final ten that are at home. Shocking Matty D says the three ball. Leo Routens is somewhere <laughs> smiling, listening to you say that the three ball is important. 
Uh, I always appreciate well, here, it. But, but, but yeah. real quick, yeah. when you look at it, this is a team that no, I was they, talking to Nick yeah, Nurse about. No, it's not it. like they shoot the three all the time. Right. It's not like they shoot the three at a high rate, whatever, but the ones that you shoot, you, you do need a little bit of relief. They're back in that mode mm-hmm. of having offensive droughts of four to five minutes a game, right. and you need to avoid that. And teams collapse on them when they don't hit that three ball yeah. and that clogs up the yeah. middle. Yeah, I got you, Maddie. I got yeah. your back. Thanks for doing this, as always. Let's go, Appreciate Timmy. You. Big game, it's game Maddie. Time. Big <laughs> Let's game. Let's go. Big game. There it is. And Maddie Let's D will have to call that. feel. I can feel right there. Look at this. It's all ready. <laughs> People are going to – it's going to be awesome. I got Earl Watson over here. He's ready. He He's ready UCLA to go. UCLA tomorrow against North Carolina. I'm taking the Tar Heels. Lock it right now. All right. We're showing video of Canada's men's soccer team, so we got to go. Here's the Jays. They just made a deal. We'll tell you about it next. Maddie D from Scotiabank Arena. Tune in starting 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. Oh, Sports we, need to re- we need to react that. That was too good. What was he talking about? Earl Watson? UCLA? I have no idea. Yeah, I think so. On a big day for Canadian football, it's also a big day in Europe and some shocking news from the European qualifiers. Everybody counting down to Portugal v. Italy in a knockout match in order to determine who would go to Qatar 2022. Italy won't even get to that knockout match. They just lost to North Macedonia. Alexander Tchaikovsky, who plays in the Saudi League, scoring a game winner in injury time. So Italy will miss their second straight World Cup sandwiched around a European championship and the longest undefeated run in international football history. I don't think I'm overstating this. It's one of the most confusing sporting results ever. How do you possibly miss two World Cups around winning the Euros? I don't understand that at all. I would say that Europe is just that good and qualifying out of Europe is hard. hard, But you should beat North Macedonia. It's Italy. It's Italy. There's 1.8 million people. That's like the greater Toronto area. So this is an all. This is Sorry. an all-time upset. That's not even the greater Toronto area. That's like Toronto proper, yeah. beating Italy in mm. soccer. It's crazy. And now North Macedonia will go on. Uh, Dobbs, Portugal beat Turkey three-one. There was Yilmaz missed a. Uh, a penalty that would have tied it up, but Portugal moves on. So this is a great day for Sid Sixero altogether. I wish I had him here because the last time Italy missed a World Cup. Good rant. Yeah, it was a solid, solid rant. So big day in international football. And, of course, we're just four hours away from kickoff between Canada and Costa Rica. A win, and Canada will officially qualify for their first Men's World Cup since 1986. With more, let's send it to Arash Madani in San Jose. Arash? Well, Timmy, here we go. They're doing a few final rehearsals inside the National Football Stadium. And then tonight... It's on. You couldn't get a ticket if you tried. This place is sold out. And so much on the line for the hosts. Matter of fact, here in Costa Rica, these are the T-shirts that so many are wearing. Until the last minute, they are in a fight for a World Cup berth. As for Canada, you know what's on the line. The national team arrived here a little after 5 o'clock last night, went for a walkabout on the pitch, 
And afterwards, center back Stephen Vittoria told us, we know the responsibility. It is a journey that began four years ago. Tonight could be mission accomplished. We're 90 minutes away from, from a World Cup qualification. I mean, we have to just live the moment right now we're in and uh, stay humble. We know that this is a good team fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their for their um, chance to, to keep their chance alive to, to be in the World Cup. So uh, we know what to expect. We, 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 we respect this team. But at the same time, we know who we are and, and, and we're going to go out there and, and play with the confidence that we always play with. Tactically, we've, we've always been better and better. Um, but yeah, I mean, the team, each, each game... You see it, it's stronger and stronger, and I mean, we're going to take that to our advantage. We've all come from different backgrounds and, and cultures and different uh, upbringings, different paths to get here, and it's what makes us Canada. It's what makes us who we are, and yeah, that's what I think it's a, it's a special part about this group. It's Osorio who has delivered so many times in the big moments for Canada. He said, that's what you do. For your brothers. And it's Osorio in the midfield with Atiba Hutchinson and Steven Estacchio. By the way, not to be alarmed, that's just some fireworks that they're rehearsing here. It's in the midfield that this game may very well be won and lost tonight. And it was John Herdman who admitted to us that in the last qualifying window, Canada conceded too much pitch control, that there was an over reliance on keeper Milan Borian. So the message from Herdman to the players was we have to have an attacking identity. The fact that Estacchio is healthy and Hutchinson is available off suspension is a big part of that. And uh, before we send it back to Canada from here in Costa Rica, uh, I have to tell you, the best line I've heard all week from anyone wearing uh, maple leaf on their chest was from Jonathan Osorio last night, who said, we don't fear nobody, we know who we are. Uh, McAuliffe, as t-shirt campaigns go, we don't fear nobody. That, that sounds like a pretty good one to me. The Soccer Report, brought to you by Sports Interaction. Providing competitive odds on all sports. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Love it, Arash. We don't fear nobody. And by the way, uh, I'd like to invite every little Italy across Canada, whether it be Toronto, uh, Calgary, the Sioux, and beyond Vancouver, every little Italy across this country, you could probably now cheer for Canada starting tonight. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll head back to Costa Rica as Jane Sharman joins us live to tee up Soccer Night in Canada. History can be made tonight, and the country is ready for a party. So are we. We'll do it next here on Tim and Friends. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. It is big game day here on the network. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends. Jesse Rubinoff playing the drums. And I will be your soloist for now. Full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes the NFL Network's Kyle Brandt on a silly season in the National Football League. Half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Ahead of Hockey Central, we'll check in with Gene Prince-Base, Sean Reynolds, and Dan Murphy shortly on big games. Speaking of, James Sharman from Costa Rica, ahead of a massive night for Canadian soccer. It's simple. Win, and they are in. Canada's men's national team can get past 
decades of heartbreak and put it all behind them. Clinch their spot in the World Cup with three points tonight in Costa Rica. They could also get in with a draw or a loss if other results go their way. Coverage starts at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 360 with a game on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet. Got it good since you understood it all starts 10 p.m. Eastern time. Again, James Sharman soon. Jays rained out today, but they still made news. Swung a deal with the Rockies. Randall Gritchick going one way, left-handed bat. Rymel Tapia, plus a minor leaguer coming back the other way. Jays also sent cash to the Rockies because they need it, even though they gave a lot to Chris Bryant. Gritchick is owed $10.33 million bucks in each of the next two years, with Tapia much cheaper, making around $4 million this season. And he's under contract through next as well. Tapia has tons of speed, solid outfielder with a little power, strikes out a bit. Here's Jay's GM, Ross Atkinson, the move. Tapia's exciting. He's um, extremely talented. There's a lot of tools, a lot to like about how he complements us, is the contact ability, uh, you know, the defensive ability, the run tool. You know, obviously being left-handed, we've talked about that a lot. Uh, love the teammate, so we're, we're excited to acquire him. How do you think this impacts your like, offense overall, adding this kind of player to, to this role? It's just, it's just, a, uh, it's just a better complementary piece. I, you know, Randall Gritchick's a great baseball player, uh, but his skill set was very similar to our other outfielders, so this is, is a more complementary piece for us. To the ice, the Oilers hosting the Sharks tonight on Sportsnet West regionally. Lots of lineup news as Wright and Nugent Hopkins returns after a 12-game layoff. Meantime, new acquisitions, Brett Kulak and Derek Bassard, both will make their debut. We'll check in with Gene Principe in a bit. The Canucks looking to build off last night's impressive win in Colorado. Back at it against the Wild in Minnesota. Patrick Demko back in net tonight after Yarrow Halak impressed a lot last night. Demko has struggled a wee bit of late, losing his last three starts. It'll be Cam Talbot for the Wild. See it on Sportsnet Pacific. Regionally, five local, eight Eastern. The Jets fighting to stay in the playoff race, host the Sens a day before they welcome Patrick Laine back to Winnipeg. The Jets enter the night three points out of a playoff spot and have won two straight playing better hockey. Connor Hellebuck, again the call. Coming off a shutout last time out. We'll check in with Sean Reynolds. A little later on as we'll reel him in. To basketball, the Raptors with a huge game against the Cavs tonight at Scotiabank Arena. I told you, it's a big game day here on the network. Raptors a game back at Cleveland for the sixth seed, sixth seed entering play. Gary Trent Jr. remains out. OG Ananobi is questionable. See it on Sportsnet 1 starting with a pregame. 7 Eastern time. As Canada waits for a party after they clinch their spot in Qatar. A little more stressful times right now for the world powerhouses in England and Portugal. Now, both failed to qualify automatically for Qatar and were drawn into the same playoff path, meaning one of them will miss the World Cup. It would have been a winner-take-all match between the two, which loomed for Tuesday in Portugal. But first, both had to take care of business favored on home soil today. We'll start with Italy taking on North Macedonia. All they needed was a draw against Switzerland in their final qualifying match to get through, and they choked on it. We start in the 29th minute. Stole Dmitrievsky, bad giveaway. Berardi had a shot at goal, and he can't beat the keeper. 
the stoppage time, we were still scoreless. Dmitrievsky, Alexander, with a long kick, and somehow no. it oh, avoids the keeper and goes into the net. Heartbreak for Italy as they miss consecutive World Cups for the first time in their history. North Macedonia is moving on shockingly. Italy chokes and gags on it again. Who would North Macedonia play? Well, Portugal facing Turkey, and they get off on the right foot in the 42nd minute. Otavio finds Diego Zota, who buries the header. 2-0 Portugal already. Now, Turkey down 2-1. Jose Font gets his foot up. It is in the area. It is appealed for. And a penalty is given after VAR. So, Barak Yilmaz, the elder statesman, the man who scored. Oh, my goodness. Yilmaz out of Lille, a chance to tie it. He can't do it. So, guess what? Portugal puts it away with a 3-1 goal and a 3-1 victory. They move on to what they thought would be Italy. And in the end is North Macedonia. We continue on. Wales, Austria. 25th minute. Gareth Bale (laughs) over the free kick. And that is unbelievable. World class from Bale because... He is world-class. Near post. Look at that ridiculousness. Wales hasn't qualified for the World Cup since 1958, but 51st minute, Daniel James crosses it in. Bale again, second of the match. Wales will play for a spot in the World Cup against the winner of Scotland and Ukraine, which has been pushed to June 2-1 the final. Elsewhere, Sweden, Czech Republic currently in extra time, still nodded at nil. The winner will face Poland on Tuesday. They walk through Russia because they've been kicked out. Um, We all know why that happened. So the draw for the World Cup goes next Friday. Sorry, Sweden just scored. Sweden has gone ahead 1-0 on the Czech Republic, or Czechia, and uh, now have pushed ahead. So... Here's how it looks right now. Sweden 1-0 over Czechia, and Wales get the win over Austria. All right, time now to go to Costa Rica. Lots going on. James Sharman joins us now. Pitch side in Costa Rica. Sharman, what's good, man? How are you? Well, I'm missing all these European qualifiers, so I'm okay, I guess. But uh, a bit disappointed about that. Uh, But, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Big (laughs) night for us. It, it, big it, night for this country. It is a big night for this country. What's what's the feeling around the team going into tonight? They're loose. They're, they're so loose right now. You know, they came in late last night. They had a little walk around the field, the pitch. They took in the stadium. They were laughing. They were joking. I spoke to a, a staff member who had been with Canada for a very long time, and and they were saying how this team is so even keel. They never get too high, never too low. John Herbin's got them, you know, really focusing on their responsibilities as, as these footballers, as these Canadians. Uh, so I think it's a, a very professional outlook, it's fair to say. It's the only undefeated team in CONCACAF right now, but they're facing a Costa Rican side, James, that is basically playing for their World Cup life and has some pedigree, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Listen, this is a good team. Don't forget, they've qualified in the past for World Cups. Um, it's a very different team, too, than they faced back in November at the Ice Tecker in, in Edmonton, where Canada just about won in a nasty, awful game in terrible conditions. Um, the star players are back. 
for this one. They started qualifying really slowly, but they've played much better of late, and, and they're a team that are just full of veteran guile. Simple as that. They play a nasty brand of football to me. They know how to win. They'll flood the midfield. Um, this will be a tough one, a real tough one for this Canadian team. Another question has been asked of this team, and so far they, they've checked all the boxes. They've answered the right way. But uh, this will be, I think, a different environment, a far more hostile environment than they've seen so far. And Los Ticos haven't lost in four straight. They have clean sheets and a pretty damn good keeper in three of those four and have qualified for five World Cups since 1990. So this is a team that has the pedigree that has been there before. But Canada's won six straight, James. They're unbeaten in 11 in CONCACAF qualifying. How have they been able to be, dare I say, dominant? Yeah, that's a fair word to use. I mean, unbeaten, like you said, the best attack in the, the region, the best defense in the region. They've just spread the wealth. Uh, even missing Alfonso Davis, who will have missed half this qualifying campaign by the end of it. They found ways. They, they showed that, that depth that was questioned before this whole qualifying campaign began. They've seen some, some young players emerge as stars. Stefan Estacchio, Tajan Buchanan, a player like Stephen Vittoria, 35 years of age at the center back. has been an absolute star at the back. Um, they've just spread the wealth, like I said there. Um, I think the depth is the one thing that surprised me the most, and that's how they've really persevered. They face some adversity, they've shown resilience, and they've just kept on getting these results and growing into themselves. Some thought the, uh, the MLS not starting may have tripped up this team in their last window because guys were starting cold in camp with Canada and hadn't started their season as of yet. And I know you mentioned Steven Eustachio. He's made a, a very interesting move to Porto in Portugal, a, a very high-level club. Richie Larea has gone to Nottingham Forest, but they haven't played a lot. Is that another hurdle that we're going to need to see these guys fight through? It could be. I mean, the rust that we expected last time out really wasn't there. Richie yeah. Larea looked a little bit rusty, perhaps. Um, Estacchio, of course, had the COVID issue play that much, but it was certainly a, a problem. They weren't at their very, very best. Looking to this window, um, you know, Larea is still training with Forrest, and that's right. a good team in a playoff spot or very close to a playoff spot. Um, Estacchio's played enough minutes, I think. They're training, they're playing reserve team games, so they're healthy. Um, the bigger concern for me might be the form up front. You look at Carl Aaron and Jonathan David since the last window, they haven't played well. Laren hasn't scored. Davis got one goal. He's played quite well. His movement's still very, very good. We saw that against Chelsea. But uh, overall, their, their goal-scoring heroics have really dried up in the last uh, couple of months. So that might be a slight concern. But if you speak to John Herbert about it, I'll speak to him in a, in a few minutes. Um, you know, he's not worried about it. He thinks these players are players that can reach those heights in a given moment when called upon. If it's not for a full 90 minutes, then so be it. I feel like it's okay with Jonathan David because when he's scoring for Lille, he hasn't exactly scored for Canada. And when he was scoring for Canada, he hasn't scored for Lille. So we'll take that trade off, especially right now. Oh, I, I think so. You know, I think maybe he got his head turned by some big European clubs in yeah. January and maybe that got him off his game. So I, I'm not at all concerned for John David. Even when he's not scoring goals, he's the kind of player that can affect a, a result. Okay, we, we've talked a little bit about the game here. And as we showed Jonathan David's ridiculous three-touch goal that's still gets my jaw to drop every time I see it. It might even be better than the Alfonso yeah. Davies goal. But, James... You, oh, easy there, big fella. I'm it, not it, sure about that. It, it might be. We had an argument. We had a vote. It was very, very close, James. You and I can go at it if you want. But I'd rather talk about the culture a little bit because Fonzie's part of that culture. Uh, Jonathan David is part of that culture. We just saw Christine Sinclair tweeting about this team. She's part of that culture. You've been around it for a long time. Can you believe that we're this close 
to seeing a team qualify with absolute full marks and what that might mean to the sport in this country? Um, I could believe it. I, I thought this team, given how CONCACAF was and is, you know, in, in some decline as teams rebuild and transition, I thought there's a good chance Canada could finally make it. I didn't expect them to do it this way, with this style, with these performances, with these young stars emerging and getting better every single game. Um, now, obviously, John Herman has timed it beautifully coming to this program when he did, but you talk about the culture shift in the men's program, the same as the women's program when he took over. That was not a good program when he took over, a team in disarray. And Christian Sinclair will tell you, she'll say he made us believe that we were better than we actually are. We rise above the competition. Um, he's done the same with his men's team. When he took over, he says, listen, this team was a fractured group. There were divisions in the locker room. They didn't like each other. He noticed that in the first training camp. And he, these players could easily have said, listen, this guy from, from the women's program, who's he? Tell us what to do. They listened to him, and one training camp in, they all bought into the message. So I, I give Herman so much credit. And I think moving forward, there's still young kids coming through the program we haven't heard about yet. Ishmael Kone has just yeah. broken into the squad for the first time for this window. This kid in Montreal is going to be something really special. Tejan Buchanan now is a star. He's a star at Club Bruges. He arrived there in January. So I think the future is so bright. It's only just beginning. You know, it's amazing to say that. Obviously, they're going to qualify for this World Cup. They're going to qualify for 2026 as a host nation. And after that, 48 team World Cups, more Burs and CONCACAF. Get used to it. This team is going to be a perennial World Cup team. I, I am... Uh... I love soccer. I would say I adopted it a little bit later in life, around 17, 18, where I really came to appreciate the game a lot. But I don't think I'm ready for what a World Cup really means. Like, what happened to Italy today against North Macedonia and how that rings? Do you think Canadians, and generalize, do you think Canadians are ready for what it means to be in a World Cup, what that draw will mean, what your pot means, like all those little things that go into a World Cup that you watch with such bated breath. So, so Tim, I had a few beers um, with some voyagers out here in Costa Rica, as is my job, of course, that's what I should do. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, (laughs) And let me tell you, they're already arguing about what pot Canada should be in for the draw. Right. All right, that was a heated conversation at dinner the other night. Um, they are ready for it. They are. They, they may not quite understand what it means when it really happens, um, but they, they are ready for it, and they are looking forward to deciding where Canada may or may not base their camp before the World Cup, who the friendlies this summer will be against. So they're almost moving past that. These, these guys I mean, and girls, 300 of them have made the trip out here to Amazing. Costa Rica. Some of them have been around the world, have experienced the worst moments of Canadian football. And for them, you know alone it's worthwhile and by the way just commenting on the the italian result today i really hope that means that the italian canadians who support yeah. their their azuri with such bluster every world cup can now put that red shirt on you know i know it's painful today for them but man jump on the bandwagon people it's going to be fun yeah there's plenty of room and it should be i can already hear the horn like that's fans blowing horns outside of the stadium that we can hear right now right james yeah, and Vuvuzelas, yeah, it's really picking up. No fans in the stadium just yet, but walking here, yeah, it, you, can, you can really sense the energy and the excitement uh, and the nerves. I mean, it's a very tense Costa Rican crowd tonight for sure. Can't wait. Uh, Sharman, thanks for this. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and I'm sure we'll be talking very soon. Thanks, pal. And by the way, Fonzie's goal was better. Right. Fonzie's goal. Well, no one else could do what Fonzie Parting, Parting shot. Yeah, it was a parting shot. No one else could do what Fonzie did with the pace. But 
It was the pace that did it. Mm -hmm. It was three touches of absolute glory from Jonathan. I still don't know the answer. I don't know the answer, but it's a lot closer than James Jarman is suggesting. Uh, I have a tweet. Uh, Boreon Pants has written into the show Mm -hmm. and said, Hey, Tim and friends, was I just a prop to you? It's game day. I pair perfectly with that coat. So do you feel like you uh, missed the boat by not wearing Boreon's pants today? Uh, I believe Milan won't be wearing the track pants Mm. today. Sunday, Jamaica. Supposed to be cold in Toronto. Maybe minus six, seven, eight. So you'll have to wear them on Monday then. Monday, I will come here with my Boreon track pants. Time for a break. Busy night on the ice. We'll check in with Gene Prince Bay, Sean Reynolds, Dan Murphy. Big games all around, and we'll do it all next. Right here on Tim and Friends. Stay tuned, please. It's my livelihood. And justice. For service. Big game day continues here on Tim and Friends, the unofficial pregame to the pregame. Oilers and Sharks coming up tonight on Sportsnet West regionally with a preview. Gene Principe in Edmonton. Ogino. Tim, the Edmonton Oilers might need uh, name tags tonight as uh, there will be some new players in the lineup. Let's start with the two players acquired on trade deadline day, Brett Kulak and Derek Broussard. For Kulak, this is kind of a dream come true, even though playing for the Montreal Canadiens isn't that bad either, of course. But he was uh, born and raised just outside of Edmonton, and he spoke of the fact he remembers 2006 when the Edmonton Oilers made that run all the way to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Back then, he was a fan of the team. Now he is on the team. The other player acquired on Monday, Derek Broussard, who joked about the fact he's playing on his 10th NHL team, so he's had some experience coming into a new room and getting acquainted to new teammates. Let's not forget that Ryan Nugent Hopkins will be back in the lineup tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Nugent Hopkins was hurt in February against the Florida Panthers. He's missed a total of 12 straight games. So Jay Woodcroft with a healthy lineup this evening against the opposing team, San Jose. Tim, and as the Oilers are back after two games and two nights on the road, they'll look to make it six straight wins on home ice at Rogers Place. Yeah, perfect. Oh, 5-0 and oh, homestand mm-hmm. last time out. Thank you very much. Gino, the Canucks on a back-to-back as they face the Wild in Minnesota. See it regionally on Sportsnet Pacific. So with more on that one, let's send it to Dan Murphy, who will be on the broadcast from eh, just over there in the Rogers Complex. Dan? Tim, Bruce Brodeau getting set to coach a game in Minnesota for the first time since February of 2020 when he was fired by the Wild. He says he expects to be very nervous this evening. And while he's nervous, he's probably in a decent mood after his club's performance last night in Colorado. The Canucks winning in regulation versus the top team in the National Hockey League. And they did it with Yaroslav Halak and Net. He was brilliant, and he gives Thatcher Demko a full night off. And Demko should be relatively rested for this one. I say relatively because the Canucks did not arrive in St. Paul until 3.45 in the morning. You know, the playoffs still a long shot, but uh, with that win, they keep the conversation going. Now, the Wild is no treat either. They're big, they're fast, they're mean. They beefed up at the deadline with Middleton and Delorier. And, of course, they picked up Marc-Andre Fleury as well. But Fleury is not starting this evening. The nod goes to Cam Talbot, who just so happens to have won his last six starts. So it's another tough one for the Canucks tonight as they take on the Wild in St. Paul. Tim? 
Yeah, I was trying to figure out which one of the goalies they wanted to face, Cam Talbot or Marc-Andre Fleury. Thank you very much, Murph, for that. In Winnipeg, the Jets try and keep some momentum going as they host the Senators. Connor Hellebuck coming off a shutout on Tuesday with more on tonight's game in Winnipeg. Let's head to Sean Reynolds. Take it away, Shani. You know, Tim, at this time of year, people can be a little overly dramatic about games like the one the Jets are about to play against the Ottawa Senators. They like to say they are must-win games. And while that is a little overly dramatic, it's not too dramatic. Here's the deal. 18 games left in the season for the Winnipeg Jets, and half of them come against really tough teams over the playoff line. Teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, Carolina, the Rangers, Toronto, two against Colorado. you got to think the Jets are going to lose two, three, maybe four of those games. Ask the Jets themselves. They'll tell you they have room for five losses on the season. Otherwise, they're going to drop below that playoff line permanently. So you got to make hay while the sun shines. While the sun's shining right now, the Jets have six straight games against teams below the playoff line. They've won the first two. And when you've got the Ottawa Senators rolling into town, having lost five of their last six games, well, there's not a lot of room for error in a situation like this if you are the Winnipeg Jets. Tim. Thank you very much, Sean. And the same could be said for all of the teams that we just talked about. I mean, there's a real opportunity tonight. And I'm the same way. I hate saying It's a must-win game, but when you look at the race for that second wild card, Dallas right now playing Carolina, they're the ones who hold down that spot. That's a tough matchup on the road in Mm -hmm. Carolina. So as you're looking at these stats here and the point totals, Vegas gets Nashville, another tough matchup for them, although they get it at home. Winnipeg and Vancouver, if they can win, it wouldn't be shocking to see the two teams in front of them lose tonight. Same with the Oilers, who are trying to gain a little ground and create some space between them and the Stars. With Dallas playing Carolina tonight, they could get uh, a a few more points and a little bit more breathing room in that third spot in the Pacific. You look at those standings there, and you look at the wild card position. Do you think the first wild card spot is out of reach yeah. for the teams. So yeah, I think the way the Nashville's playing right now, coupled with the spread, like I think you've got to when you when you see POF numbers, which are kind of sort of ridiculous, they don't take into account how well a team is playing. They blow with the wind. Tim. Yeah, they do blow with the wind, but they also like look at the Golden Knights and say, well, they have seventy-two points and they've got sixteen games left. So let's figure out the percentages here. But what you and I both know, they're really struggling. Like, struggling as bad as they have ever struggled in their existence. So, I think it's a real opportunity tonight, specifically for Mm -hmm. Winnipeg and Vancouver. But I think Edmonton needs those two points against San Jose tonight. And they're getting healthier. Might give them some breathing room and kind of set them in the right path. That's a huge point, that the Oilers are getting healthier. It's your hope that at this time of the season, with this many games left... These teams have their best opportunity to play as well as they can, and that involves everybody in the roster, as many people as possible being healthy. Two new additions to the team at the deadline. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins returns tonight. Just got Cassian back. Just got Jesse Pugliarvi back. Mm -hmm. I like what Edmonton's going right now. All right, time to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Kyle Bukoskis is on hosting duties alongside Jamal Mayers. Meantime, we will continue on Sportsnet 360 as Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football joins us to unpack what has been one of the craziest NFL offseasons that I have ever seen. Back in 60 seconds on 360 for the rest of you 
enjoy Hockey Central with my guy with the nice hair. And Bukakis. Keep saying it's big game night here on Tim and Friends. We've got Canada and Costa Rica. We've got the Raptors taking on the Cavaliers for sixth in the East and avoiding the playing game. A bunch of big hockey games, but it has been a big offseason in the NFL. The madness continues. And uh, for a little more on this offseason madness, we bring on, I, I kind of feel bad. This is another one of the man crushes of Ken Reed. I feel like a mistress <laughs> right now, but a damn sexy mistress. Kyle Brandt joins us right now. How are you, Kyle? I, I was fine, but now I'm triggered that Ken has more than one man crush. I, I thought we were in a, a, an exclusive relationship. What are no, you saying? I, I, I don't know. I think I think Kenny may be man crushing around on you. You got Colby Armstrong, former NHLer, who is among the man crushes. PJ Stock. PJ Stock yeah. yesterday among one of the basically every hockey player. He's got a man crush. All up. right. Maybe I got to grow out some new sideburns or something to, like, to, to turn Ken on again. I'll work on it. <laughs> uh, I saw a tweet earlier today suggesting that the Kansas City Chiefs were the fourth best team in the West. Uh, what is going on in the AFC West? And could that tweet kind of sort of be true? It, it could. Yeah. And that's the craziest qu- that we're asking this question yeah. Uh, about the Kansas City Chiefs, who every single year host the AFC title game known as the Arrowhead Invitational. It's it's a thing they host at their house every yeah. year. And now we're saying, hold on, hold on. Never mind the NFL or the AFC. Are they the the worst team in their own division? And I'm going to look, I'm going to go with no. I just am. But I don't think it's a stupid question. That whole AFC West is so intoxicated and so turgid and so bloated. You never see these things online where they do like these ridiculous Franken foods and some ballpark has the yeah. triple double bacon <laughs> yeah. blueberry burger with nachos on. And you're like, who's eating that? That's yeah. an idiotic piece of food. That's the <laughs> AFC West. And I still think with Mahomes, there's no way they could be fourth. But save this clip because in January, maybe they'll be six and 11. Go home, AFC West. You're drunk. Yes, yeah. you've had too much. We reserve the right in the media to refuse service to anyone, including right. a division, which is almost impossible. But I really do think that they're overserved, which is the gentlemanly way to say too drunk. Yes. Um, so the Buffalo Bills are now not only the favorite to win the AFC, they are also the favorite in Vegas to win the Super Bowl. Agree or disagree with said Vegas odds making? Wholeheartedly agree. And I'll pull from the headlines, Tim. So you see Tyreek Hill, who is maybe the fastest player in NFL history, move into their division. So they got to play him at least twice. That's supposed to be bad. I actually think it's a net win because he's moving away from the Chiefs. Right. So it's it, their enemy, their real enemy, is, is weakened, whereas the Dolphins – I mean, the Bills beat the Dolphins by about 70 points every time they play him. New coach, new receiver, be damned. I still think it's a net win for the Bills. And the whole deal with, the, like, when the power rankings all come out, when this, the season starts and everybody does their power rankings because yep. it's clickbait, <laughs> I think a lot of teams would have, a lot of people would have had the Bills at number one and the Super Bowl favorites before they added Von Miller. Like, there's the hottest take coming off these playoffs that the Rams won and beat the Bengals was you watch the whole playoffs and you're like, I still kind of think the Bills were the best team, even though they lost to Kansas City and then the Bengals because 
if you watch that game, you're still like, good God, the Bills are electric. And then they added Von Miller because they felt like it. That was a luxury they didn't need. It's like like a like a panic room or like a walk-in humidor and a mansion. You don't need that stuff. <laughs> but they're like, we can afford it, so why the hell not? I actually do think they're the favorite. Uh, the lap pool for me totally. is, is that, yeah, the lap pool. Where, the, where they have the jets and you just swim into it. Like, who's doing that, really? <laughs> water treadmill thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Please man. Don't make those things. Yeah, oh, who does so that? Great. Who Nobody. Does that? Yeah. I'll take the humidor. Uh, I don't know if anyone uses that water treadmill thing. So Vaughn Miller, obviously huge pickup for the Buffalo Bills. Is that the best pickup of the new additions that we have I'm I'm not trying to go Bobby Brown, um, sure. but we we can cool it now and ask who is the best new addition? All right. Well, listen, that, by the way, that's your prerogative. If you want to go Bobby Brown, <laughs> that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even keep track of the additions, and it's, it, let alone ranking them. A little delayed, the sorry. So, like, in any other year, like last year, 10 years ago, Khalil Mack to the Chargers would have been, oh, my gosh, ticker tape parade, the biggest move of all time. Now it's like, I don't know, ninth, 10th? I don't even Tom Brady, I'm retiring. I barely remember it. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, I think, is a Hall of Fame player who I think retired, and I don't care. So you, it's so hard to rank these things. I think of if I have to, if you really hold my feet to the fire here, I think that the biggest addition was the Devontae Adams Packers to the Raiders. A, because he's the top 10 player at any position. I think he's the top 10 player in the whole league. He's to the Raiders. He's super motivated. He's super happy. And because of what it does to Green Bay. Green Bay is just hemorrhaging wide receivers, and they have this 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 quarterback with this long, greasy hair who's a little temperamental, and he never gets to the Super Bowl. I have no idea how he's going to do it now. So I think on both ends, the effect of the Devontae Adams is the biggest one. But, my God, there's so many to choose from. Uh, Uncle Timmy's hot take. The Packers draft two receivers in the first round. Double receiver in the first round. This is okay. this is a big wide receiver draft. I think we're going to see six in the first round. Could they go with both of their first round picks and say go Drake London? I don't think Chris Olave is going to drop that deep, so you might have to get the dots in there. Due respect to Uncle Timmy. Yeah. We are talking about the Packers, who <laughs> are great. And they're classic, but they are so weird. And, and it, this would be the ultimate Packers move would be to spend those picks on, like, a guard and a linebacker. And just be like, <laughs> nope, we're not doing it. We don't care what you want us to do. We don't draft wide receivers. We're going to find ourselves a scrappy Jordy Nelson in the second or some <laughs> Randall Cobb quarterback comfort. I Honestly, I will not blink if they spend none on a wide receiver. I just wish that, like, we could get a live cam of Rodgers flipping a table when he does it, and the table would have probably cost about $80,000 per leg because of the money he's making to lose again in the playoffs. I got a feeling that you're not a fan of what Aaron Rodgers is doing in Green Bay. It's complicated, as it always is. <laughs> yeah. Like get back to my relationship with Ken Reed. Yeah. I love Rodgers. I really do. And I know some people don't. I got history with Rodgers. We have, you know, a, a kind of professional relationship. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know where he's going. You know, I, people are saying, oh, well, they'll sign Jarvis Landry or the I don't is that gonna get them over the hump? Like I'm looking at the NFC, Tim. It, isn't it just going to be Bucks Rams? Like I, I know that's naive here to say in March, but I'm looking at these teams and like if Rodgers could never do it 
for years and years and years with all of these guys and with Devontae and Jordy and all the, this Packers team, is it going to be a great team? Like, I, I just don't know if it's there, especially with the Rams and the Bucks and Brady back. Like, I, it has nothing to do with Rodgers. It's more of a how weird are the Packers thing and how much money is he making. It's just a little straight. I can't believe Devontae Adams left. I, I, I cannot believe that he signed and Devontae's gone. I can't believe they fed us the line that Aaron Rodgers knew all along what's going on here. Like, if if they were bitching and he was bitching about not having a second receiver th- last year, they don't have a first or a second this year. <laughs> yeah, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling just signed, and he's gone, and he was yeah. like a third. So he just told us and told us, I want to be involved in decisions. I want to be involved. All right, and they're like, sure, we love you. And then now he's involved in the decision, and Scottie Pippen just left Michael Jordan standing in the middle of the court saying, how the hell am I going to beat the, the Knicks now? It's so weird. And I, I just – if you're going to look at this Packers team going in, and they're going to make some moves and stuff, and we know they're going to draft a couple kickers or something, but mm-hmm. they're not going to be anything compared to the last five years of Packers teams, just personnel alone. Okay. If they do go out and get first-round picks and that are wide receivers, we'll have to have you back on. Uh, okay. I, I can't have you on the show in no. a Bengals shirt and not talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you yeah. believe last year was the start of a long... Because, listen, if, if, you, if you think the Green Bay Packers are weird, the Cincinnati Bengals, my friend, are the de- they're, they're in the dictionary beside what you don't do as a professional football team. Uh, do you think, though, that they have turned the corner with Joe Burrow, and might they actually draft O-Lyman? Are you suggesting, Tim, that we are not embarking upon a Cincinnati Bengals dynasty? <laughs> and if so, how dare you? No. Um, My history look, tells me that you aren't. Like, that's what I, I don't think it's you PTSD. are. I, I actually read, even aside from the Bengals, like the last 12 teams to lose the Super Bowl didn't make it back the next year. It doesn't usually happen. And to yeah. their credit, let's, yep. let's give them some credit. They have basically spent the offseason digging a moat around Joe Burrow and I think they're going to park the team bus in front of him like anything that's not nailed down that they can put in front of him and his knees are going to be fine but no of course I don't think so it's it's too hard this Deshaun Watson say what you want is a great player the Ravens are fantastic usually. So, no, I, I don't know what the odds are or who's picking everybody. Everyone's going to have a party for the Bengals as we go into the season, and I yeah. love Burrow. No, of course not. The AFC is the Royal Rumble. And I know you go into the Royal Rumble and you think, well, Hogan or an Earthquake or Undertaker, they get thrown out in the first two minutes. You can't predict that. <laughs> earthquake, I love in the mix of that. Uh, but that's – so that's the interesting part here is because you have two of those teams in the same division. The Cleveland Browns go out – and give uh, a jillion dollars guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. And I think what possibly could go wrong with the Cleveland Browns bringing in Deshaun Watson? Like, to me, this was a team that needed steady leadership and the first, you know, um, opportunity. I mean, obviously, he's an MD. The guy is really good as a football Mm -hmm. player. But to me, they needed steady leadership, and this just Mm -hmm. screams like it could blow up in their face the same way, well, almost their existence is blown up in their face. Isn't it funny that we're talking about alleged stability from the Bengals and the Browns? Like, (laughs) 2015 Tim and Kyle would be laughing at us so hard. Maybe, you know what? Maybe not laughing. Yelling. Look, (laughs) Deshaun Watson apparently is going to have a press conference tomorrow. And this, I don't know if he's going to take questions. He damn well better. And some of them are going to be really pointed and really awkward. And even beyond that, like, 
Tim, the football better be spectacular from him. Like top yeah. five quarterback in the league. Because even like, even aside from all the unsavory off the field stuff, they traded everything. They're yeah. paying him everything. And for what? If he turns out to be, okay, let's just say he's AFC Kyler Murray and they go nine and eight. Like, was he that much better than Baker? Is he that much better than Jameis if they had gotten him? No. So he has this pressure of not only do I have to face the media and face the music, I pretty much have to get us to the title game or what the hell am I even doing here and why was it worth it? Right. Uh, Kenny comes by here. Kenny Reed comes by here yeah. every Wednesday. Do you want me to, to have him rank the man crushes on his list? Like, how do, how do we tackle this moving forward? Because obviously... Uh, he's he's hurt you a little bit. Well, you have to have honesty in a relationship, yeah. especially a, an allegedly monogamous relationship. So, <laughs> yeah, let's you know what? Let's yeah. we talked power rankings earlier. Yeah. I would like to know where I stand. If okay. his man crushes are the AFC West, am I the Broncos? Am, I would not. I would like to think that maybe I'm the Chiefs. Like I've been running the show for a while, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm wrong. Remember, Tim, I have never met Ken in person. <laughs> We have a purely online yeah. relationship. Right. If I can, if you would indulge me one question, yeah. I want to know a little detail. Is Ken? I know. I see how he dresses. I see how he manicures himself. Is Ken a big cologne guy? I picture him as someone you can smell before you see him. I think like three or four pumps. That's just it's just my gut instinct. <laughs> That's a, it's a good gut instinct. I think that he smells a little bit more like peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't think Ken, Kenny is not a cologne guy, though okay. you would guess from the burns and the suits yeah. that he wears. Shoes. And the shoe, yeah, the shoes are awful. All right, well, I've never yeah. seen his shoes. I only know him, you know, so to speak, from the yeah. waist up. Um, right. I don't know. I picture, like, really um, really aggressive socks on him, like statement yeah. socks. Like, tell me more. I, I yeah. love it. It, it may be, maybe, I mean, this is an East Coast delicacy in this country, but he might, might be eau de donaire that Kenny Reed comes in smelling like. I don't know what that is. You've never is had a, a donaire? There, no. there are folks fragrance? in in Halifax. It's a uh-huh. it is a meat that sits on a spit, and okay. that spit rotates around something that's supposed to be fire, but usually it's just a heat okay. lamp. And you yeah. shave it off, and you put it into. A we have sandwich. that. It's called a fogo de chow. It's like a Brazilian <laughs> yeah. deal we have down here. There you go. Um, there you but go. it's. The fact that we started this with the Chiefs and we're ending with how Ken smells and like going deep on how he smells yeah, yeah. is, is it's it's, proof. that's why I show up. That's why I yeah. love it. Proof we need a power rankings next week when Kenny yeah. comes up. Let's uh, do it. I always have fun whenever you come on. Thanks for doing this. Do the best, Tim. Thanks for having you me. You too. There is Kyle Brandt, NFL Network, right here on Tim and Friends. We have we have good times with the NFL Network folks. Adam Rank, Kyle Brandt, Nate Burleson. They're so good. Yeah, they bring the heat. Time for one last break. Jesse's bringing the heat next with Last Call. Big game day! On Tim and Friends. Just talking in the break with Jesse Rubinoff. Kyle Brandt probably did well in life in whatever he did, right? Like, Ivy educated. He was like a star running back at Princeton. He was like a big-time high school running back in Illinois. And now he can do basically anything he wants. Him and Nate just have this energy that they bring that's just different yeah i don't know where it comes from yeah but the nfl network did an outstanding job finding those two yeah without without (laughs) a doubt they they cast that show good morning football very very well 
OG Ananobi is available tonight. I think that's what was being said in your ear. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. OG Ananobi available tonight for the Toronto Raptors. Breaking news. So, a uh, big game for the Raptors. And you can see the pregame starting in about 11 minutes on Sportsnet 1. So, stay here with us. And then you can transfer over there. But OG Ananobi available for the Raptors. I'm sure Kyle Brand could play basketball too. Guy could do it all. Whatever he wanted. The guy's 43 too. He looks like he's like, I don't know. Yeah. 32. Definitely not 43. Damn. Uh, we're just a few hours away from Canada's big game against Costa Rica big tonight. Game. Big game. Earlier today, Alfonso Davies tweeted, Good luck to my teammates tonight. Let's take care of business this week and make history. Wish I could be there with you guys. Let's go. I think uh, Canadians everywhere wishing Alfonso Davies the best and wishing that uh, he gets back on the field as quickly as possible. While he's been away from the team, Davies has been live streaming himself watching Canada's qualifying and matches. And his dad. And his dad, and he's had some unbelievable reactions as you're seeing. Will this be second screen viewing for you tonight, Timmy? Uh, my son. My son and his friends have been streaming Alfonso Davies during. I, I need to focus on the show. I'm not a big second screen guy. I really enjoy sports, and I really like noticing the little things mm-hmm. when I'm watching sports. And I will get distracted by this thing over here or my phone, and I get mad at myself. So when it's a really big game, Nothing's around. That is so funny. I actually had that exact conversation with a couple of buddies last night that it's like in this world we're living in, it's like harder and harder to stay fully focused on games. Yeah. Because games stop, there's a whistle, you want to pull up your phone. My 11-year-old son doesn't watch live games and knows everything that's going on in the world of sports. Yeah. It's it's, you can watch a game through Twitter if you really want I, to. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. That's not my the way I do it. But yes, if you want to, you could watch however you want to watch these days. Yeah. And I'm in the minority. Yes. I think, you know, we both are. <laughs> As we told you earlier, uh, the Blue Jays made a trade today, sending Randall Gritchick to the Rockies. Um, for outfielder and left-handed bat, Rymel Tapia, plus a minor leaguer, Sportsnet's Hazel May, Caught up with Grichuk in Dunedin shortly after the deal was announced. Before I let you go on social media, a ton of Randall Grichuk fans want me to say thank you for, for everything, how much they enjoyed watching you play and they wish you well. Is there anything you'd like to, to say to them? Uh, yeah, probably that, you know, I know I'm not Bo or Vladdy talent-wise, but I, I hope they respect the fact that I played the game hard. You know, in 18 when we weren't that great to... 21 when we were on the cusp of making the playoffs regardless of how I was playing I played the game the right way and I hope they remember that and um, you know I love the city I love the fans love this team I'm gonna miss them a lot and um, just thankful for everything that's nice class pure class on the way out from Randall Grichuk do you think the Jays will make any more moves before opening day because it's coming soon I think they're I think not the moves that you're talking about I think they might add to the bullpen I think they might add bit parts but I believe that uh, and I don't know. Uh, I think it's Rymel Tapia, even though it's spelled Tapia. I believe most people are pronouncing it Tapia. That's good. So we don't get in a I don't know, so I believe, Barrio situation. Yes. <laughs> I believe Rymel Tapia will be the addition. And I think they're going to give Greg Bird every chance to succeed as the big left-handed bat. I don't know if he will. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I brought him up in our meetings like 25 times, and I don't know that it's gathered as much steam as I thought it would in Dunedin, but it's gathering a little steam. 
I don't think that you're going to see the Michael Conforto like you saw trending on the internet earlier. I don't think you're going to see the big move. If they do, look the bleak yes. out. But I think it'll be Tapia and then maybe Greg Bird given the chance to be the big left-handed back. What are they now, like second favorites to win it all at this current juncture or something yeah, like that? don't get Close. caught in that. I'm just Anyone saying. who was around when they picked up R.A. Dickey and Josh Donald and Josh, Josh Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, Jose Reyes. Don't start, Reyes. Walking, yeah, don't yeah, start yeah. walking down that road. Okay, we'll play it being out. favorites and what you did in the We'll play out the 162. Yeah, let them play the 162. <laughs> um, and enjoy it. 100%. I'm getting up. We'll be back in the Golden Knights lineup tonight as they host the Predators. Dadunov was traded to Anaheim on Monday, but the NHL voided the trade, saying his contract included a no-trade clause that had not that had not been completed with. Uh, and he's back with Vegas, centering the line with William Carlson and Matthias Janmark tonight. This is one of the more awkward situations that I can remember. How about you? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> There's another one, by the way. The Donoff or Dadunov? No, this is Dadunov. <laughs> You're not I'm just putting that. my foot down on that. You know, the emphasis are... on Russian names is in the middle syllable. The Donoff. The Donoff. There's no way. There's no way. All right, you're not going with it. I understand no. it. Uh, this is awkward. Um, I would have thought that if you were Vegas management that you would have had a conversation with the player. I think a lot of them knew what was going on, that they were in a cap crunch once they got Jack Eichel. But if you had had that conversation, then you would have known that Anaheim was on his no trade. Mm -hmm. Unless he had forgotten who was on his no trade or gave bum information. I don't know. But they still might trade him. They might have to put a first-round pick on him to trade him. So you get the player and a first-round pick. That's how they might get rid of him. Uh, I think you said this yesterday. There's a lot of people around the NHL that are probably okay with Vegas struggling a little bit. Oh, without a doubt. It's been fun uh, for Vegas so far. Uh, the NCAA men's basketball tournament resumes tonight Leafs. as the Sweet 16 gets underway. Hey. Here's a look at tonight's schedule. Arkansas, Gonzaga, Michigan, Villanova, Texas Tech, and Duke, and Houston, and Benedict and the Arizona Wildcats, which is the uh, most the intriguing last, matchup. The last one for me because you've got Arizona that's a good team that could win the whole thing facing a Houston squad that Ken Palm, who hasn't had the greatest tournament of all time, <laughs> uh, thought was a real value at five mm -hmm. and they play some real defense. I think that uh, Benedict Matherin is a guy that Canadians need to get to know. He's going to be a lottery pick, and he absolutely carried that squad yeah. against TCU. This should be an interesting game against a, a pretty darn good a pretty darn good Houston squad. I don't know why I said pretty It's pretty wild that every time Coach K and Duke play, it could be Coach K's final game. And that's what's on the line tonight against Texas Tech. I would say that it won't be his last game. But I never know with Coach K in the track. You never know with Duke anymore. That does it for us. What a night on the network, kids. Raptors, Cavs, Sportsnet 1 pregame about to get going right now. Oilers, Canucks regionally as well. And, of course, big one tonight. Canada tries to clinch their spot in the World Cup against Costa Rica. Pregame starts on Sportsnet 360, 930 Eastern with the game available on both Sportsnet and 360. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Canada.